Welcome to the Body Story Movement. I am Coach Coco, and I'm so glad you found this podcast. Listen up real quick. If you live in the DC metro area, save the date. Friday morning, 8.30 to 10 a.m., August 5th, at the Mark Wonderbread Factory in Northwest DC, I am hosting our very first Body Story Movement Social. All of the details will be provided in the link in the show notes. But if you are someone who has flexibility on your Friday mornings and you are looking for a reason to get back into a meditative practice, to connect to your body through movement and breath, and creative activities centered on body stories. If you like light refreshments and being among like-minded people, this is for you. Check out the show notes. Thank you for listening and enjoy this body story. And they're interviewing you live. Yay. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Alexia. Hi, how are you? I'm lovely. Welcome to Body Story with Coach Coco. I'm so happy to have you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, good. I was just kind of, you know, feeling the vibe and energy of your place. It just looks lovely. And I think it sets a wonderful tone for our conversation. So please introduce yourself to whoever's watching or listening, where you live, what you do, and why you said yes to this Body Story interview. Absolutely. So my name is Alexia Clincy. I am living in Los Angeles now, grew up in North Carolina, so from the South. And uh, I run a digital marketing agency called Capsoch. So we've all worked remotely, even since before the pandemic. I'm used to being a work from home person for as long as I've known. All of my team is remote, so they're all over the place. And so um, I spend most of my time here in Los Angeles, but I do do a lot of traveling and get to move around, luckily. Um, and I'm glad you reached out to me about telling my body story. I think the thing that stood out to me about that was the fact that I think it's interesting to hear the different perspectives from different women, because sometimes it feels like you're the only one who's dealt with something or you're the only one who uh, has experienced particular things. And it's good to hear that from other people in an organic way um, so that it kind of can sometimes maybe somebody listens to this and then they feel like, oh, okay, like I understand that I feel that and I'm not alone in, you know, the things that are in my story. And so I think any opportunity to tell a person's story, regardless of what the topic is, is important, maybe even if for the reason of, of other people knowing that they're not alone in those things. Absolutely. And when I tell you, you said multiple experiences, I'm no woman is off limits. Yeah. No woman, Alexia, I'm coming for you. <laughs> so let's get started. I'm just going to jump in and you can take this wherever you'd like, but where would you like to start with your body story? What's fresh? What, what rises for you? Where do you want to start the conversation? Well, it's so funny that you just ask it so broadly like that, because I don't even know where you want to take this or if you talk about physical, mental and like, you know, the whole whole shebang. But one of the first things that actually comes to my mind, and I, I don't okay. depress people off top, but one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about my body story was when did I start to feel like a connection with my body or when was I when did I become aware of my body um, and for me, I would say that even as a, a young girl, unfortunately, like elementary school, one of my, the first things I remember 
is these little boys at my school who literally would like touch on my butt every like every day and this is back when you had to be in like single file line that go yeah, I remember and yeah. I remember that being a part of my literally like every day trying to like avoid or like have to think about always think about like who's around me what who's going to try to mess with me um and I like I really remember that and it's like man that was as such a young person I mean granted there were other young boys and you know they should know better so right like we should stop saying like oh boys will be boys because that's inappropriate but I remember not telling anybody about that like it's not something I went home and was like hey this is happening and I it made me feel like oh man like I have to figure this out deal with it uh, I feel like it made me become more of a hardened woman um, for the longest time. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't care about guys. I don't deal with guys as much. Um, and, and you felt that like you were in tune with that young. That well, young. I, I didn't connect the dots to why I had become like this. And maybe like in college, I was like, yo, these things happen to me. Cause you know, sometimes we block things out. I was like, these things happened to me and they, this is probably really how they affected me. I became like, I was super competitive. Like I used to be the girl, like, uh, like I would be fighting guys all the time, racing guys all the time and competing and things like that. And it was almost like, you know, always having to be on the like defense and offense against other people. But it, I, I guess I'm relating this to my body and that, you know, kind of aware of like, yo, why am I, my body is being messed with, or like people are seeing my body as something, you know, to, to just for their entertainment or for their enjoyment or whatever, get their, their kicks or whatever. And it I wasn't even that scene on the wood. Remember when they bet him a dollar? Oh, you see, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go up and she just <laughs> let him know what was yeah. up. That's exactly where my visual went. Yep. And that's what I turned into as I got older. At first, I just would try to avoid it. And like, I was dealing with it, I think. But as I got older, like, that's the person I became. Like, I was, I would fight people. I didn't, I didn't care. I, I threw a, a boy out the window one time because they were messing with me. And at that time, the teacher was just like, well, that's what, that's what you get type thing. Um, so it was, it was crazy. And I, I wasn't even like, a, a very fast developed at all. Like I didn't even have a body. I don't think until I was like 17. Um, so it wasn't even about like standing out or looking any different. It was just like, man, why, why are people messing with me in that way? So I that's really the first getting, thing I think about. And, and the fact that you say elementary, Alexia, I remember, I will never forget this. It's uncomfortable to even share right now, but I gotta say it. It's the body story. I was in fourth grade and got a letter from a boy and it said, I want to pop your cherry. <laughs> I remember when you used that term. I had, first of all, I had no idea what the hell that was. Had like literally clueless. Remember reading that to friends and their reactions, there was, I felt shameful. There was a shame I felt by their reaction because it was so grown. You know, I'm in elementary, it just felt grown. And I, I remember feeling kind of like, there was a bit of shame and I didn't even know how to articulate shame as a fourth grader, but I now know what that was. When I think back to that story, it's just so, so, it was yeah. just so much, you know? Yeah. And that's the interesting thing about, you know, having these experiences young is because we don't know what to make of them, yes. but then you don't forget it. And then later now, as we grow up, it's like, wow, how much did these things shape you? Because you didn't really know how to, you know, what to make of those things. So the fact that you took it straight to elementary, how, how did you, when you started to get in, did you play sports? Mm, not really, not really, did, not like real you, organized sports. Okay. Did you do anything in junior high or high school that was made you in tune with your body and it like PE, did you particularly like anything about PE or anything that was physical that you really got into? Mm, 
so I never had like any issues with any of that. So I was actually homeschooled in middle school. So I was at home. Yep. I, uh, but there was like a community of other homeschool people. So like I would go to art classes, I go to ballet and in high school I did dance. Um, I never, I remember never kind of having an interest in it, but never actually going out for like the little dance teams, like at games and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think I connected that somehow to like, I don't want that attention that, so that, so I started elementary because I think that what became a running theme was I don't want attention. And so I, I wouldn't, I didn't even want to wear shorts. Like I didn't want to wear a two-piece bathing suit. Like I didn't want people to see me or to like, look at me. I didn't want that attention. Um, so a lot of were those you specific kinda, in your head, Alexia, about where you didn't want attention or just at all, were there certain parts of your body in your mind that you were like, that's where attention is going. Or you were just like, I don't want anybody looking at me. No, it was in general. And a lot of it, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't like bootylicious or anything. Until, <laughs> although I got there and uh, by the end of high school, it was, okay. it was a story. Um, but it wasn't like anything going on. I, I, for me, it, I've always, you know, I've been a, a pretty girl, pretty woman. And I think that might, that in itself sometimes is enough, but like, not just kind of my body, but um, I'd always been very active. I have two younger brothers also. And so um, I was always running around with them, play basketball. In college, I played uh, sports for a little bit. But growing up, I didn't as much. I, I wasn't very social outside of like youth groups or, you know, some kind of class stuff here and there. Um, but I was very much like, I think a lot of those experiences made me into like really more of an introvert and more of a loner. And you know, even now, like I really enjoy my time to myself. Yeah. Can I ask that you said something that I really haven't unpacked with a lot of my interviews at this point that I want to follow up on? Pretty. Can we talk about how you have like owned, because you are beautiful to me, <laughs> like, and everybody defines like beauty is truly to me in the eye of the beholder. I heard this on an episode of my so-called life years ago, and I just loved it. Mm -hmm. But it is, it makes total sense. And our, how we see beauty is shaped by what we see, the people in our lives who we grow up with, how we see somebody physical and then their internals beautiful. So associating the two. Mm -hmm. So attractiveness and being a pretty woman, can you share a little bit about how that has been a part of your body story, Alexia? Hmm. I think attractiveness is something that I've never wanted to claim. And for a few reasons, because there have been people who, oh, you think you're all that because, uh, you know, like, and I had like big, my hair is, is much curlier, like than my mom. So my mom is Bahamian. So she's a black woman, but she definitely right. has like fine hair. She has very fine hair. Yeah. Um, and my, she didn't even know what to do with mine. So mine was like thick and just big, but it was always just big and long because I didn't cut it. I didn't perm it. I didn't do anything to it. And you know, you could tell people are just kind of hating on you sometimes. And it's like, so from other women too, you like, oh, you think you're this and that. And it's like, okay, like, so this is also, I'm like, I don't want you to look at me. I don't want this attention. Um, Were there a lot of assumptions about you? Did you find that growing up that there people made a lot of assumptions just about who you and the person you were because of your, sure. because of your looks? Uh, sure. Partly because of my looks. And then maybe second, just, you know, being very intelligent. Like I've always been ahead and even in homeschool, like I was doing like grades ahead um and so but also I recognize because I think it's really easy for uh, like I hear people talk about like light skin privilege and things like that and I and I think those things do exist as well so it's like 
you and I understand like where people are coming from um, sometimes and like how they've been kind of programmed now to see things a certain way or, you know, they don't know how to deal with what they're feeling about um, whether it's being threatened or whether it's just, man, like I actually wish I had something. And it's like, no, like, and you don't like you're like you said, beauty is is in everyone. Um, and so it's it, really, it, it, it didn't have to be think, that way. And it makes me think of when I was younger, my mom and my mom, like most, she could honestly pass for white. Honestly, mm-hmm. my mom, when we're out in public, I mean, <laughs> it just drives her. She gets hit on by older white men all the time. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious to us. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> she, when we were growing up, I never really understood it, but I, I definitely get it now. But she was, and I know this was learned behavior that she got from her mother. She would tell us not to be combing and flipping our hair in public. Mm-hmm. She was very, like, I remember from a very young age hearing that from her. And it was something I never asked questions about. I just listened to it. There was a reason she told me this and that was it. But as I got older and would start to pay more attention to comments, junior high, elementary, and believe it or not, when I really didn't even embrace and like my hair at all, it wasn't until I moved to DC as a 22 year old and everybody was rocking their hair natural. I was like, oh my gosh, it's going (laughs) down. So it took that long to really embrace it. But I see now my mom didn't explain much, but I see now why she said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like we said at the beginning, like you can always go back and now see how things made sense. Um, but I never wanted to associate with being pretty because I didn't want anybody thinking that I felt some kind of way or like I think that about myself or um, even like moving into like college and beyond. We we're talking about sorority life and things like that. Like I that's not for me, like, or, well, not sort of life, because I'm definitely in Delta Sigma Theta, but like, I would never want to associate with particular organizations that are around being a pretty girl, because I don't want, I don't want that to look like that's what I want to label. I don't want how I look to be the most interesting thing about me. Yes. And so I, that's not something I would ever lead with. That's not ever something like, I'm very much always kind of fighting, or maybe I shouldn't say fighting, but in in my speech and the things that I put out, it's always like, I'm doing good things or great things, not about like, oh, I look good. Like, that's never what I lead with because it, to me, and, and, and it maybe not rightfully so, but, but to me, it's like, there's so much more and I just never want to look, I don't want anybody to look at me and think like, oh, you're just a pretty girl. And so I'm all, it's always like, yo, there's so much more going on and people see that. And so that, over time has always been a thing that I just don't even really associate with, or I don't try to put at the forefront. I I was listening to a podcast. It's funny you say that. And on the podcast, it was saying, if you ask, and it was about body image, if you ask the people that are closest to you, whose opinions actually to you matter, Mm -hmm. guarantee they're not in your life or in your circle because of how you look. Mm -hmm. There's a core, there's some, there's another reason there. The looks is probably the very last thing for the people that are really in your life. And it just, that was just enough for me to be like, absolutely. But Mm -hmm. we would be foolish not to acknowledge kind of what attractiveness, according to whoever's finding someone attractive, how that can open doors, how that gives you just different experiences and opportunities in your life. You know, I think about that a lot. You know, I just, I don't feel like I was raised by a very uh, vain woman, like looks and looking polished when you go out in public has always been very important, but it hasn't been one of those things like, this is going to be your lucky pass. 
Yeah, yeah. Pull it on out, Coco. Yeah. No, it's leading with the talent, the gifts, the what were you, the purpose you were put on earth. Mm -hmm. How have you seen, like, does this, has this ever been a conversation talking about how we see ourselves with your friends? Is this something that you all talk about or like in your close circles? Does this ever come up with other women? Mm, no. And, and I'm one of those girls because of how I grew up that I have most of my close friends are guys, okay. which I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to do better. Um, what do you, what uh, do you feel like you need to do better at? Like, why do you feel it's important for you to have more female friends? Because I think just because I don't. And so there's a thing, especially like on Twitter, like, like there's, there's something to be said about a girl who's like, well, I don't associate with those. Like you're trying to make yourself like a separate from the girls. Mm -hmm. And I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't consider myself a girly girl, okay. um, but that's not to say, and I know it's like, yo, there's plenty of women who I, yes, I can have conversations with her. We're not just talking about gossip or we're not talking about just hair and nails. Like, mm -hmm. so it's like, and, and that's not why I don't have as many girlfriends. I just, I think I tend to be, my attitude tends to be a little bit more, um, see, and anything I say is like, well, there's women who, who are like no, that. You know what? I'm curious I need to about find them. you having brothers. I'm always curious from women who grow up with brothers about their, their, how they tap into their divine feminine energy. I'm very curious about like what, especially if they do have an energy that gravitates more towards male. Cause I don't see anything. I'm intentional about seeking out strong male relationships because I naturally gravitate to women because I'm the oldest of four girls. So it's intentional for me to find solid male relationships. Uh, and I have is, to be intentional you, with what women. What is your like divine feminine energy for you? If that's something that you get when it comes to your body and like your connection there, what's that like for you? Uh, so I would say that that's new to me and kind of in the same vein of like really identifying like, man, I probably should have more girlfriends. I, and you know what I think to connect the two is yeah. I'm not as uh, emotionally outgoing. I'm not as vulnerable and I'm not like some of those things, like as a person, I'm, I'm just very not much not, but I recognize that I would, if I'm going to do that, I, there, are, there are women, I think, I think women are more open to like having certain types of conversations or um, being in tune with like, hey, something's going on with you. Um, although, which is interesting, one of my closest guy friends, he's the main one, like, are you okay? Like, are you really okay? <laughs> so it's like, they, you know, guys can still do that too, but totally. Um, I just don't, I think that it's important for the spectrum of, you know, me and how I express to have more close friends that are women. And so going back to the, like your feminine nature and the feminine divine, it's so funny that like, it was, this is less than a year ago. I think I saw a tweet or something where somebody was like, oh, this lady does these YouTube videos about uh, femininity. And, and I was thinking, huh, like I never even thought that as a woman to think about learning how to tap into that and i just watched one being curious because at the time i was thinking about you know when it comes to and this in this case i was thinking about like relationships and like you know it always kind of seems like i'm just a little too hard hardened and i it's okay to like let people do things for you and be nice and you know but i'm always like i got it i'm independent and blah blah, blah. and it's like oh you know how can you do all that or like how you know i do want to like get my nails done more get my hair done more like 
how do you do some of this makeup stuff that I see, you know, people doing it like looks perfect. And so I watched one of these videos and I, and I thought it was interesting. Like, oh, like there's still, there is space for me to kind of tap into that. And, and I intentionally spent time, um, like before I would, I would get my nails done and stuff often, but it wasn't super regular routine. Like, whereas now, and not right, right now, but now minus the pandemic, it's like, all right, I was going to get them done. Like every, every two weeks, got my nails done. Um, what I did have that do for you? Now. Having a consistent, re- what, what did that do for you? Now, it, it helps me, it does help me to remember that I am beautiful and that's okay. So as opposed to what we're just saying about, Yes. Um, you know, I don't leave with that. It's like, no, I'm a beautiful woman and these things, right? It doesn't have to be a this or this. Yes. And so to really tap into that more uh, to, to you know, when guys try to talk to you to smile, like, oh, okay, even though you keep walking, you know, like to be, <laughs> be nice or... or even the cry. layer is to, to see how it feels after. Because if things are yeah. forced, you'll feel it in your body. But if you do it and there's like a lightness or a different energy that comes with it, that might be a, something you want to lean more into. Like the, the checking in with your body when you're doing those yeah. things are really just the game yeah. changer, Alexia. When you put on like something differently, put on a dress instead of, you know, sweatpants and it's like, yeah. you, you feel different. Um, but, and then not, not that you always need to feel like that either, but like yeah. you feel different. Um, and so just, I, I thought more intentionally about tapping more into that um, about letting, um, like my partner, like do more things like they want, they would want to do things. And I'm like, and now I'll be like, um, um, like, yeah, when, when are you, when are we going to do this? Or, you know, like let, let them do it. And, you know, just stop trying to like Mm -hmm. always lead everything and, you know, have to take that position all the time. To me, that's what kind of tapping more into my feminine energy has been where it's like, sometimes it's okay to like, let go. And that doesn't mean, I'm letting go in general of control in life. And at any point I can take care of everything, you know, but yeah. sometimes it's nice to be like, oh, yes, it's, me, I mean, take me out and do all the things. Yeah. And I just, that feminine energy thing is something I'm still deeply exploring because I've been surrounded by women my whole life, powerful mm-hmm. women, even with alpha energy, but mm-hmm. also that beautiful balance of the delicateness, the gentleness. And I think as a woman in my thirties, yes really making this ritualistic like that's important to me i love having rituals that can align with that is there i know you talked about your nails and hair and lashes is there a ritual that you find yourself alexia that's a part of your body that's consistent that just really makes you feel really phenomenal when you're in it and even done with it i don't think so um the things that are coming to mind for me are like things that are ritualistic in my life are my working out, which I do. Like I have a schedule for that, although this week was not it, but <laughs> I have a schedule for that. Okay. Um, med- meditating. I do my transcendental meditation 20 minutes in the morning and evening. Um, it's not necessarily it has to do with my body though. And like things like well, making my coffee in the morning, like certain things are like ritualistic and I enjoy them or I sit out on my balcony and I chill and, okay. uh, but the working out can are you at is there are you particular about your workout clothes because kind of even what we wear on our body for some people they don't give any thought to it i know for me i like my workout clothes to look cute it makes me feel a little bit more like up in my workout is that something you give thought to or you just like put your clothes on and get it rocking yeah it is now and at first it's so funny like my I, i've been working out with this guy for like years and at first i would just pull up in like my h&m leggings and like like not the real workout leggings but i didn't know so i was like 
I don't, you know, the reason I work out with this guy is because if I walk into the gym, I just don't really know what to do. I'm not going to push myself. So I kind of have to have somebody else with me. But then over time, it's like, oh, like I've gotten more cute stuff. Now all my stuff's old again, but I do like to, I'm going to make sure it at least matches and <laughs> that I'm looking like picture ready. If it's like a day where he wants to like put something on Instagram or something, yeah. but um, yeah, so to a degree, yes, but I, I do need to get some new stuff now. <laughs> But it's nice to think about those little things. My sister, Noelle, yeah. who's right behind me, Alexia, years ago, she exposed me. She bought me my first belly, like waist beads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were just a game changer. So yeah. I think I'm always secretly on the hunt for like, what is, like I got into Yoni steaming recently in the past like year and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, just reading up on the power, watching YouTube videos of that, ordered some herbs from a sister girl in the South. And I was like, this, how do I feel after this? I'm like making a ritual of it. So I just, I think that's another, the connection to this body story project. Cause I'm just fascinated mm -hmm. with us as women, how, you know, we may think something about our way of being, but in our actual practices, we're doing something to pull us closer to the connection to our body. Yeah. So even that's some true. of the things you've revealed today, I'm like, she thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is there yeah. is is there anything that you can think of like and i'm thinking particularly of teens in your years at undergrad mm -hmm. that when you're thinking of that that time period that age because that's really who i want to connect this to when i think about involving young girls and women is that age group high school through college is there a story you can think of that you experienced that you maybe learned from or something that was on your mind then that has now evolved and you think about it differently that could just, they hear it and it would land with them. There'd be some, some takeaway from it that you'd like to share from any time in that age group for you. In regards to your body my story, my body. Yeah. It could be anything from, from the <laughs> rooted, from the hair, from the crown, all the way to the toes. <laughs> You know what? Something that you think might be conscious, like that's this new generation right now is on their mind a lot. That might have mm. been a part of your story at one point, but now it's just different. You totally look at it differently now. I'm not sure because nothing's really coming straight to my mind, and I don't want to like make it up. And and okay. the, maybe that's part of the reason why like my first thought was elementary school because to be honest, like like I said, I spent a lot of that time like being not. Yeah. really focused I was not focused on that like I um what'd you think about I, other girls that were focused since it since you were removed from it Alexia did you have opinions about your peers about girls that were really into hair doing their makeup wearing certain things you know did you have opinions about that not so much and I and I was into those things I was just late like I it wasn't even until college that I like really started doing my hair and trying to play with makeup. And you know how, when you look back at your old pictures now, it's like, Ooh, like what was I doing with that? Like with thin eyebrows and like all the colors on my eyelid. And it's like, you know, all those things evolve. Yeah. Um, but that was probably like the time that I really started kind of playing around and discovering it was in college. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I still, I, I was not involved with guys like while I was in college at all. Like I, so so my, my focus had always been on, I want to look good and nobody can have me kind of thing. Like that's kind of how I went through it and how I felt. Um, and it wasn't even until after college, like 
that I would became active with people as far as sexually and any of those those things. So like I was really kind of a late bloomer. And even now, like I'm 36 now, and it's like I'm just within the last maybe 18 months, couple of years, it's like I'm kind of just connecting a lot of like my emotional sides with life and like why, you know, why do I do things this way or, you know, really kind of discovering myself um, and kind of connecting the dots between my body, how I act, the things I do in friend relationships, partner relationships, whatever. um, And like, where is all this coming from? And, you know, recognizing communication type things, all that stuff, right? Like all of these things, it's so interesting that it's really an ongoing Mm. learning experience as you go. Um, Is there something you're looking forward to? Because this, I'm going to start interviewing women in their 50s, 60s, I can't wait to interview my mom. That's going to be a hoot. <laughs> Is there something when you think of aging, getting like older that you look forward to that's connected to your body story or something that you maybe you're nervous about? I don't really think I look forward to anything, but I, I've recently started to get a little nervous about, you know, when you start to see like little crinkles in your eye. And and when I, I think about just like security in general, though, like when you see um, older people Ubering or working and it's like, oh man, like, yeah. you know, it's really a lot of folks who, you know, have to like keep being in the world in that way. And so I, I really kind of think about my stability, my work, and also like, how do I maintain like not going crazy or losing it um, in this time of my life where it's like, you're getting older, but you, have, you really need to take care of yourself physically and mentally. Um, even more than ever but unfortunately sometimes like it's now that we're just starting to think about those things because we can tell like when your knees crack a little more and you know all that is happening and so um and, and hormonal wise like I'm I like I was researching because I was like man I'm menopausing because like I really can tell like I feel like totally different and like just totally off like a different person sometimes and like I'm looking up stuff and I'm like oh man there is like a, a perimenopause now or something else and I'm like Oh my gosh, like it's, it's so it just makes me kind of nervous about like what's to come from that because like I like hate everybody sometimes. Like <laughs> and I know and at least it's good though that I know it's hormonal because it's like I know yes. you know a few days I'm gonna feel different. Yeah. Um, but now it, it's not even around like my cycle. So that's why I was like, oh man, this is this is like right. pre-menopausal or something because it's it's just like periods of time almost. Um and so the hormone changes have been very interesting. Mm. Um and, and that kind of changed like how you feel like my desire to want to do, you know, do it up or just be relaxing or, yes. you know, how I want to engage with other people and all Ooh, of that. Girl, so. You are speaking the truth of so <laughs> many. I know you're speaking my truth right now. It's so true. It's but bad. <laughs> you're in tuneness though, that you took the step to even look that up. So many people, women are just moving through the world and not making the connection. Uh, yeah, I'm a Googler. This is how I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> this is how, no, like. That is the yeah. layer of when you love, like when people throw out that word self, that's self-love. What is going on with my body? Let me listen to it. Let mm-hmm. me do a little research and make some connections. What can I do differently? Mm-hmm. What do you, now that you're armed with this information, Alexia, how do you um, put some extra love in on your body so that you can be a little more gentle with yourself as we're dealing with these hormone things? Yeah, to your point, I think just being aware makes things a lot different to navigate because it's like, you know what, this is not you know, it's not just a me thing, like I know what's going on. So I can kind of be aware I can kind of, you know, people who have to deal with it with me, you know, like, I, we can kind of talk about it a little more, it makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, you don't have to own it as much, but also it's like, okay, now I can, um, you know, make sure when I'm doing my physicals, it's like, let's check the balances of different things or, you know, certain foods, like what foods would be better if I eat or cut out because that stuff kind of changes like over time, what your body likes is just like, ugh, like this is not helping me feel well at all. Um, remembering to stay in like movement taking and a lot of it is taking time to just be still like so you know with anxiety and hormones all of those things it's like sometimes you need to not try to achieve your way through that but like to be more still um and just relax a little bit more too so um i i just try to acknowledge like when i'm feeling different or you know things are going on just acknowledging it and let yourself it's like this is okay like this is what it is right now and you know do what you need to do girl and in all rounds like, even people need to like like with celibacy that's what's like when i make the conscious choice like i'm choosing not to have sex there's a there's a conscious like almost recalibrating resetting that comes with that mm-hmm. but you have to be connected to know something's off something needs nourishing something needs um, you know what i mean i i like that i finally know how that feels within my body so yeah oh, that's wonderful yeah. is there yeah. any as we kind of wrap up, Alexia, any words of wisdom or anything that you just want to leave with a young woman that's going to watch or listen to this that you'd like her to think about as she thinks about her body story? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say to a young woman, as they're thinking about their body story, to stay in tune with how your actions and your words make you feel, your body feel. I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, but sometimes I think that we just do things because like, you know, this is either it's what everybody's doing or it's what we think we should be doing. Um, And that can go from like drinking to dressing up or doing your makeup hair, whatever, working out, whatever it is, how you eat. But then like really think about like, how do you enjoy that? How do you like that? How does your body like it? Because, you know, sometimes we just do those things or they might be enjoyable in the moment, but it's like, oh, like that didn't feel good to do or, you know, in your relationships with other people, all of those things. It's like really honor yourself by acknowledging how you really feel when you're doing things or when you're saying things or experiencing things um, or afterwards. And it's okay to understand like what's for you and what's really not for you. And that changes over time. So it's like constantly just listening to yourself to honor yourself. Oh, such words of wisdom and vulnerability. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Alexa. I'm getting better. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your body story. It means a tremendous amount to, to me and to anybody that took part in this. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, this is a good practice for me to do the things that I'm saying I want to do as far as connecting a little more and being more open. So um, happy to have had this conversation with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. These stories are going to change lives and you are officially a part of the body story movement. So thank you for being here and I appreciate you listening. If you heard something on this podcast that you felt moved by, I'm willing to bet there is some girl or woman in your life who will feel the same. Because in true honesty, this podcast was created for 16-year-old Coco. 
25-year-old Coco, 35-year-old Coco, who needed a space like this to hear women share their truth about their body, stories they heard growing up, stories they continue to be fed, and how they are unlearning some of these stories. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please share. You can also find the Body Story Movement on YouTube, where you can see some of these interviews at the Body Story Movement, as well as on Instagram, the Body Story Movement to catch short clips of these interviews. Thank you again for listening. There is a phase two to the Body Story Movement, which involves a mentorship and a scholarship piece. So I look forward to sharing more details about that as that piece of the Body Story Movement continues to evolve. Thank you all so much. I am Coco Benitez. I am a life coach. I am a speaker. And I am the founder of this beautiful Body Story Movement. 